0: Welcome back to this edition of Conversations Different, a podcast of the Santa Fe New Mexican featuring the interesting people of northern New Mexico. Today we are speaking to Santa Fe County Clerk Catherine Clark, who is in charge of running elections for our county. She's busy right now preparing for November local elections, and today when this podcast airs is the first day of early voting. Catherine, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Let's start with an explanation maybe for all the people who don't pay as much attention to elections as journalists and elected officials. Um, For years, Santa Fe City elections were in March, school board elections were in February, um, and then conservation and all the other different boards were whenever people scheduled them. And now we have all the nonpartisan elections in November.
1: How did that happen? So the legislature had this idea that we might get more voter turnout if we were to consolidate elections. And so what they did is they passed what's called the regular local election and designated that as a considered a statewide election. So actually, the chief election officer in this race is actually uh, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, the secretary of state. Um, And the idea being that each county runs the statewide election, just like they would a general or a primary, but we will consolidate what these sort of smaller uh, municipalities, these different entities into that election so that we don't waste time and resources on multiple elections, and we may actually see higher turnout. So things like uh, school boards, community college boards, local municipalities who've opted in, um, soil and water districts, conservation districts, and some ballot questions are all going to appear on the ballot in November. November was chosen because it is a time in which most people associate with an election, so now, in New Mexico, we always know every November November there's going to be either a partisan election, which is in the uh, even numbered years, which you know follows a primary, or in the off cycle years, which is the odd number years, there's going to be a nonpartisan election
0: so it's like Christmas it comes every year
1: every year, exactly, yeah. and that, that hopefully it will be less
0: confusing for people. Now, early voting is a relatively new thing. You know, if you're old like me and you've been voting, you know, for 40 years, we didn't get used to do that. You went one day and you voted, but now you start with early voting and it used to be called early absentee in person, something had a long name, and now it's just early and then expanded early. Yes. So what happens if I want to go vote today?
1: So if you want to vote today... Uh, Because it's the first day of early voting, you can only go vote at the clerk's office. So the way we kind of roll voting out is this idea that we start with the first day of early voting, which is actually the first day we send out absentee ballots. So we're hoping that people have already applied at nmvote.org so that we can send you your ballot early today, starting today. Um, But for 28 days starting before the election, you can vote at the clerk's office. That's downtown at 100 Catron. It's during normal business hours, so 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. It's actually very popular. Um, Last uh, primary, we had over 12,000 voters voting at that, and there was a little line. So we see this little blip the first day of early voting. That's because voters know that if you vote early— uh, campaigns tend to take you off their list. They tend to stop calling you, and voters really like to get that break <laughs> from campaigning <laughs> they, they don't
0: want to get like mailers and, and no, phone calls and knocks on their door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I always tell voters, like, hey, if I if you want people to stop calling you, just go vote because then they're going to get that list from me saying you've already voted, and then they're not gonna um, they're not gonna bother you anymore. It'll take a few days, but. If you really are decided and you know who you want to vote for, go vote, or vote early. It's a great time. And then we have expanded early voting where we have different polling locations opening throughout the county where you can vote. And this year we've shifted a little bit because we got some complaints There was no where there was not enough morning voting during the week. So instead of 12 to 8 this year, we're going to try 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. because we were seeing so few voters uh, that 7 to 8 o'clock after work crowd. So we're hoping to shift it to see if we can get more voters coming 11 to 12. Those are at the different polling locations. That's Christian Life. It's Edgewood. We're actually opening a new location at the community college because the county has shut down Richards and uh, Fairgrounds is such a popular location. And we're seeing so much population growth on that side of 25. We've decided to make the community college um, an early voting location. So early voting is... um, Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. We're open three Saturdays, so we always recommend going to vote early because that means you've banked your vote um, and then you're not waiting in line on election day because it used to be everyone had to wait in line. I actually have a staffer who tells me that in Ohio they only have four hours of early voting or something like that, so they all have to wait in line like Six hours to be able to vote early. And in New Mexico, it is such a privilege where we can vote by absentee. We can vote by early voting and we can vote on Election Day. But there's no reason if you already know who you want to vote for to not vote on election uh, to vote early because um, I think our lines on average are less than two minutes when it's early voting. And then if you really have to social vote, you love that experience, it's always a good idea to vote uh, if you can during the lunch hour because we really see um, lines start forming after work Uh, that five to seven period of time on election day. Um, And I will warn you, if you don't want to wait in line, then don't go to the fairgrounds because that's where we like to do social voting in uh, Santa Fe County. So (laughs) if you want to be in and out, uh, make sure you choose another polling site. And you can always look at our polling sites at santafe.vote.
0: I I know from experience, Christian life generally does not have a line. I tend to to go there because it's down the street from where I, live. I kind of miss always going to Nava because that was my precinct back in the day. And now you can go wherever it's
1: convenient. That's right. So we call them voting convenience centers in New Mexico. We actually cleaned up that language this last legislative session. So every polling site in New Mexico, every polling site in Santa Fe, no matter where you live in the county, you can vote. So if you go to Santa Fe vote, we actually have a real-time map that shows the wait times. Uh, it's a Google. It's plugged into Google so you can see and um, essentially, if you're not sure and I only have a half an hour, where do I go? It's really easy. Santa Fe.Vote. You figure out where you're, you're voting, you go and you vote. So my goal in Santa Fe County is that no one wait more than 14 minutes to vote.
0: Because one of the things when they show lines, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, democracy is at work. But the other reaction is, no, it's a failure, because if you had proper equipment and enough ballots, right. you know, boxes and, and polling places, then people wouldn't have to be waiting.
1: Right. So one of the reasons why we love early voting so much as an administrator is that I can plan ahead. Right. So if I've already banked, let's say if 30 to 40 percent of people have already voted by Election Day, then I know I'm not going to get crushed in a deluge of people voting. Right. I can make sure there's always a good flow. I can make sure I have enough poll workers. So operationally, we love early voters. So thank you for early voting at those who are early voting. And that's one of the reasons why we love absentee voters. You know, Santa Fe County has one of the highest participation in absentee voting, we have nearly a twenty percent participation in absentee voting. Wow. Still, even after COVID, and it's a great way to vote because it means you get your ballot sent to you. You get to sit in your pajamas, you know, with your newspaper and your coffee and choose and a list of the for. New
0: Mexican endorsements right That's by, by <laughs> exactly. your <laughs> exactly yeah.
1: very handy. Um, and then you just drop it off either at any of our drop boxes. We have the most per capita. There's nine in um, Santa Fe County. Um, and also you can drop it in the mailbox, but we don't recommend mailing it uh, if you have 14 days to go because the Postal Service has told us, you know, there's always a delay, um, especially with all the election mail in circulation. So always drop it if you're in doubt.
0: That sounds great. And we'll be right back with Katherine Clark
1: after this break.
2: Thanks, Inez. This is Patrick Dorsey, publisher of The Santa Fe, New Mexican. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Conversations Different with Inez Russell Gomez. Great local content is only possible with a talented staff dedicated to bringing you the best local content possible. For that staff to do its work, we need your support by subscribing to The Santa Fe, New Mexican. If you're already a subscriber, thank you, and if not, there's never been a better time to subscribe. In addition to our home-delivered newspaper that comes with full digital access, we also provide digital-only subscriptions for SantaFeNewMexican.com. We'll also be releasing more online-only audio and video programming moving forward. The Santa Fe New Mexican has been here for nearly 175 years, and we want to continue being your source for local news and information visit us at com slash subscribe or call us at 505-986-3010. Thank you.
3: It's a new day in New Mexico and the doors to boundless opportunity are open as tens of thousands of New Mexicans reach higher to pursue a dream, broaden their horizons and retrain for a better job. With the New Mexico Lottery and Opportunity Scholarships, You could build yourself a better future anywhere in the state. You put in the hard work, we'll help with the costs. For eligibility details, visit ReachHireNM.com.
0: We are back talking to Katherine Clark. This is the first day of early voting. And that means if you're registered, you go vote. But some people might have just moved here or have moved within the city and don't know if they can vote. So, Catherine, the law just changed in New Mexico so that you can actually go register to vote and then vote.
1: Right. So we call it same-day registration, um, and we've had it for at least one election cycle. But essentially, anytime time the polls are open at any polling location, you can same-day register. You can bring something that sort of proves that you have a residency. So that's like a bill or, you know, I mean, and the poll worker will probably will be fine with you pulling it up on your phone. But just proving that you've gotten a bill, that that's where your residence is and you need some kind of ID, whether it's a school ID, a photo ID, tribal ID, um, just sort of proving who you are. We actually use a system that talks directly to motor vehicles um, to get you registered to vote. Um, Our office then processes that um, on the fly as that data moves over. We process that data and then we tell the poll worker okay they're done and then you can go get your ballot from the ballot on demand stations and then uh, vote it's it's really convenient most people don't have to wait more than 15 minutes for us to process and we actually hire extra workers who are trained specifically to quickly process registrations and we have this whole chat system at all our polling sites where we can chat that we've got your uh site down we have this whole workflow so we We've really gotten it down to a science where if you if there's a line of people trying to same day register, we can get you in and out and voting. That's that's amazing.
0: It makes me proud that in so many states, they want to make it difficult for people to vote. You know, they pretend that there's all this election fraud going on, which isn't. But in New Mexico, we're making it as easy as possible for people to vote while at the same time protecting the sanctity and the fairness of the election.
1: Right. So one of the challenges as a, um, you know, as we always hear this misinformation, and I do want to say that, you know, when you go register to vote, um, you know, we actually are talking to MVD, we are comparing social security numbers, right? So you're registering just like you would a uh, paper registration uh, from a voting uh, registration agent, or if you go to uh, nmvote.org, you can see your registration any time uh, to see that you're properly registered before you go to the polling site and decide to change your registration. But in New Mexico, one of the reasons why we have voting convenience centers is we always have to make sure that they're connected to the Internet. So as soon as you walk into a polling site and we hand you a ballot, we actually give you a voter credit in the system. It takes three seconds. So you can't go anywhere else in the county. You can't turn in an absentee ballot. Only one, Every person who has the right to vote only gets one vote. You don't get to vote multiple times, and we make sure of that in Santa Fe County and in New Mexico. Right. And there's
0: always that push about, you know, you must have a photo ID because otherwise you can trick people. Well, when I go to vote, they always ask me my name, my birthday, and my right. address. And not everybody knows my birthday.
1: That's right. So, so they know it's me. Right. So that's one of the ways, so we do actually have voter ID. It's, it's a common misperception. While we don't ask for photo ID, we do ask for ID, which means that you have to be able to recall your, um, your name, your address, and your birth year. And one of the things that's interesting about that is we are now going to change the law where you have to have the last four of your social as a form of ID. Uh, that hasn't taken into effect this year, but it will next year. And our absentee ballots will also require uh, the last four of your social. So We have added a layer of security without requiring photo ID, which is kind of that balance between access and security that's really important to consider when when you're trying to make sure people have the right to vote and can vote. Well, that's a really good thing to know since my
0: 26-year-old son, who I vote with every year, never can remember his social, so he's going to (laughs) have to write it down. I've memorized everybody else's in the family, but for some reason I can't remember his either, so he's going to just have to have it ready because that's – I think that's fair because – You know, people who don't live like in rural areas or who aren't tribal members, et cetera, don't always realize that it's much harder to get a photo ID than people know. You know, the whole real ID thing, my mother-in-law, who was born on the Navajo Reservation, didn't have a regular birth certificate. So we had to go to the tribe to get an affirmation that, yeah, she was who she said she was so she could get driver's
3: license.
1: Yeah, for New Mexicans it is particularly challenging, yeah. especially among our Hispanic population because we had this this uh especially in the 50s and 60s desire to anglicize everything. Yeah. So they used the more anglo name instead of the name of their birth and so nothing matches and it's very very challenging. Yeah. So
0: It made us not an inconsiderable a little bit of money anyway because all of those old people had to go have their names changed. That's exactly
1: right. And yeah. that
0: was really really unfair, I think. Because, you know, Margarita Lopez became Mark Lopez or whatever Mm -hmm. the name became, and then it changed. And I I don't think everyone in our state realizes that it's not as easy as growing up in the suburbs with the same name your whole life kind of thing. That's right. That's right. That's good. Now, one of the interesting things, so this is a Santa Fe County election. So you've got Pewaukee school elections. You've got Santa Fe City municipal elections, the school board, you know, the community college. But Santa Fe City has ranked choice voting. That's right. So you have to do that too. I mean, how, how does that work for you?
1: Um, so ranked choice voting is actually um, not, now that we have modern systems, it's actually not as challenging. But one of the things we do do is make sure we have every single ballot. So, you know, I think people don't understand that when you are running a system that we run in New Mexico, I know every ballot that has been printed. So whether that's by the absentee vendor whether that's at every polling site, I know the date, the time, who printed it. You know, because of the credentials they signed in, so we know every ballot that's been printed. So at the as we move towards the end of the evening, at all of our voting convenience centers, I look to see which uh, district is still has ballots out, or that we might need to wait for if absentee ballots have been dropped at any of the polling sites. Um, we actually wait till all of the ballots. So, for instance, in District One. If someone votes in Stanley, I wait for that data to come back to the office before I run that runoff algorithm, because I want to make sure that we are accounting for every single ballot in that algorithm um, when we are making that determination of ranked choice voting, because we'll just have to run it again to be, you know, as they cut they trickle in. And what we saw in New York during the ranked choice voting, I think it was for the mayoral, is that they ran the algorithm early and early voters may have a different voting profile than election day voters. So as they were running the algorithm, the second and third running of the algorithm changed actually the results because different kinds of voters had voted later in the day or later in the Uh election cycle. So we actually, because it's not that many voters, we tend to wait for all of the votes to come in and then we run that algorithm. And basically ranked choice voting is the idea that you, you rank who you want, so and you only rank who you, you can stand. And then, um, so if you don't like a one candidate, don't rank, don't rank them. And if you only only want to vote for one person, you can do that too, right? We we're, we're, it's, not, it's not a forced uh, choice. Um, and then you, like, if your first choice gets eliminated, then you have the second choice. And then, so if candidate A gets eliminated and you have B, C, D, um, and then we rank, compare across, across BCD, if you were, chose uh, A, who is eliminated first because they have the lowest amount of votes first, then we then we take your second choice as part of the algorithm. And if that candidate is eliminated, then of the last two, we take your third choice. So it's a way essentially that you always get to have a say in who is uh, elected to office, but you can't, your choices get exhausted if you only choose one person. But of course, if you can only stand one person, then only vote for one person. So. Yeah,
0: that- I always think of it as you get to vote your heart and your head.
1: Your heart and your head. Exactly. So a lot of people like it because they can choose a candidate they're pretty sure is not going to win, but they just love this candidate. Mm-hmm. They vote for them. And then they're more, you know, they think it's going to be their mainstream candidate. They'll vote uh, ranked two and three.
0: Yeah. And it made a huge difference in Alaska because ranked choice voting in the recent House race got Mary Pelota, the first Democrat, sent to the House of Representatives from Alaska and I don't know how long and eliminated Sarah Palin, perhaps, from the national conversation.
1: I think the, the lesson in that is Sarah Palin is a very polarizing character. <laughs> so if you are someone that everyone, you know, sort of like, I, 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 I guess I could see her being uh, in office, then you're much more likely to win in a ranked choice voting because, you know, extremes, to, it, it's a way of eliminating extremes. It's a way of having the tyranny of the minority, right, that, you know, the candidates who get elected are the candidates who at least a majority of people chose on their ballot. That makes sense. We'll be right back talking to Katherine Clark, our county clerk.
3: My name is Maria Jose Rodriguez Cadiz and I am the Executive Director with SOLACE Sexual Assault Services. Our mission is to prevent sexual violence and empower survivors of sexual violence through restoring dignity, strength, and resiliency. For almost 51 years, SOLACE has reduced the impact of sexual violence. We do it by focusing on human rights, social justice, hope, and dignity. We believe survivors are experts in their own experiences and acknowledge that empowering them is crucial to their healing. Our advocacy, forensic interviewing, and therapy services are centered to their needs. Our sexual violence prevention programs in schools and community is just as important. Please check our website at findsolace.org. And if in need, you can call our 24-7 hotline, which is 800-721-7273. Your support is crucial to the lives of survivors. Thank you. Gracias.
0: back talking about the local election coming this November with our county clerk, Catherine Clark. One of the things, because we don't have a mayoral election this year in Santa Fe, we just have city council districts, which tend to be snoozers in terms of voter turnout, but we do have a mansion tax on the ballot. And I'm wondering if you have any feel for whether that's going to do what the last kind of special issue election. It was actually a special election. The sugar tax got 37%, which was a record for up to that moment. I wonder if the mansion tax might pull people out to vote.
1: Well, as you know, it is hitting on a very hot topic, which is housing right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing housing crises all over the country. So certainly it is uh, a topic that I think will be uh, having lots of discussion and may potentially uh, get people out to the polls. So, but we do have District 1, which has four candidates, and we're hoping that some of that, uh, you know, those candidates will be getting people out to vote. I mean, one of the things we're very proud of in Santa Fe County is our incredibly high turnout. So we're hoping that even though, you know, it's just one-to-one, not a ranked choice in some of our races, that, you know, the people who are running for Soil and Water District, Community College, School Board, they are making very important decisions and school board for everybody is up on the ballot this year. And, you know, you may know from the news that school boards are everything, right? There are very controversial decisions happening all over the country. So even if you are not sure who you want to vote for for city or you're not sure on, on this excise tax, which I do think will drive because it is part of a hot topic of housing, um, you know, absolutely get to the polls and vote for your school board.
0: That's huge. And we've been lucky in Santa Fe not to have, uh, you know, the Moms for Liberty type candidates. But I'm very curious now about some of the people who have announced and and what their uh, question, what their answers will be when I ask them. You know, do you favor banning books, and if so, which ones and why?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the candidate guide because you know, as you know, in New Mexico, we don't have an official candidate guide. It's not like California or, or other states where we've generated a sort of neutral uh, analysis on the for and against. I mean, that's up. It's actually up to the newspapers to really help us out in that. Um, Sort of providing information to the voters. League of Women Voters does too, but it, it's it's uh, it's not something that we officially do as part of uh, the election process. So asking those questions and really understanding who's running is is very very important.
0: No, that is true, and we do partner with the league, and we'll be partnering with them on candidate forums for city council, at least for sure. I'm not sure about school board. And it, it's it's huge because if you're not informed, you won't vote. And, and one of the things um, I f- was shocked to find out when I was doing editorials in support of the local elections uh, act, is that nationwide municipal election participation in big cities is under 20%. So we had 30% in the 2021 mayoral election, 38% in 2018 when Weber won his first term. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's terrible, but that's tons better than everybody else. Why do people not want to vote in the election where their vote makes the most difference?
1: I think they, you know, they're very used to sort of the national news. They're used to the presidential. I mean, often, you know, that's why we have low par- uh, primary turnout As people think, oh, I'll just wait till the, they've chosen whoever it's going to be, and then I'll vote for that candidate on the ballot. Um, I think there is, um, you know, hopefully we can convince voters that you know in powake those races are a total of 300 people which means when you vote in that race your vote really does count some of these races in the regular local election have been decided by a coin toss which means someone may have had car trouble or someone you know like was late to something and then they couldn't get to a good out there and go to the polls i mean that's one of the reasons why we make we have to make voting so easy in new mexico is because the stakes are really high the margins are so close for these these smaller down ballot races so you know if you ever were thought oh my vote doesn't count no it does in santa fe county in particular these races are pretty close especially for soil and water especially for school board and your vote does make a difference especially these candidates who you know don't have money can't get their name out there they need you to come vote for them
0: that's really true and and when you think about primary elections In too many counties in New Mexico, whether it's for the Democrats or the Republicans, once you win the primary, you don't have an opponent. So if you don't vote in the primary, you don't get to choose. That's right. And as soon as we have open primaries, I am unregistering from a political party because I will not give up my right to choose the sheriff because I work at a paper, but I don't want to be in a party. And as it is now, you have to be a Democrat or Republican or an independent to vote in a primary And that really shuts a lot of people out.
1: So, technically, now in New Mexico, if you're a Democrat, a Republican, or uh, a Libertarian, you can't change your registration from the party. But now in New Mexico, we have kind of what's a semi open primary. If you're a declined estate or you're a minority candidate, uh, a minority party that has not put a candidate up in the primary, you can change your registration using same day registration, choosing to caucus essentially with one of the major parties. And then we will hand you that that party's ballot to vote in in the primary. Um, there was a bill that got through almost to the Senate floor, um, so I do think it's probably coming that you will be able to just decide who you're caucusing with on elect, you know, on the day that you go in to vote, and then. Um, you will essentially caucus with one of the three major parties and you will choose that ballot and then you will vote in that primary.
0: With so many people decline to state, that's going to be important. And, and honestly, there's states that do the block primary where you just vote. And with rank, cho- if you had that in ranked choice voting, you could eliminate the primary and maybe save everybody a bunch of money and have more people participate. I think we need to be more creative about how we run our elections to get as much participation as possible.
1: Um, well, I'm always in favor of more participation, but I know that uh, getting rid of the primary system is a little bit of a third rail right now, so I'll be a little neutral on that right now. Well, you have to run the thing. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get
0: it. Do you think ranked choice voting should spread? Is that something that would get more people
1: excited because they would get to vote for the one they loved and the one that they thought could do the job? So, so ranked choice voting is interesting because some people who used to support it don't support it anymore because um, they've learned, oh, in fact, it chooses the moderate candidate. So depending on where we are at, we don't get, to, we don't necessarily get to see the progressive candidate win, the moderate candidate's winning, because that's the one everybody sort of gravitates towards the middle, right? Because in all populations, most things are on a bell curve, right? So mm-hmm. the, the middle-of-the-road candidate is the one that's winning. So, you know, I think ranked-choice voting is likely, you know, I think more cities are interested in it in New Mexico, particularly in Bernalillo County, because they do have this very expensive runoff where they don't see as much participation. So, you know, you see this drop-off effect. Um, but there's still questions about whether or not, you know, uneducated voters, minority voters, you know, are affected disproportionately by the um, sort of confusion around it. So, you know, I think there's still discussion happening around it, but discussion's good, right, because then we can talk about the issues around it uh, and get people interested in it, right? So yeah.
0: I think that's important. And I, I just wonder, you know, in Australia I read that You have to vote or they find you. They find you. I'm like, okay, should we do that? I mean, how can (laughs) we have this right that's so important that people died for, literally died for, that we just ignore? And then all we do is complain on Santa Fe Bulletin and say the mayor stinks or the city council stinks or the school board's awful and you didn't vote.
1: Right. Well, one of the I mean, we're seeing people make it harder to vote in other parts of the country in New Mexico, as I say, we are—it's—we are really truly privileged to live in New Mexico. We have it; we have made it so easy to vote. Uh, one of the things that we're doing in New Mexico in 2024 is that we will now have permanent absentee, and that means that you don't have to request a ballot every time. You will just sign up, and then if, as long as you maintain your address, we will send you a ballot. There is also a lot of great laws around uh, Native voting, right? So if you live in a rural area, you can use your chapter house where you can get your um, absentee ballot. So we should see more participation in rural areas because it's very hard for them to get to the polls. But I think that that's all towards moving towards more proportion of people using absentee because what we know is that when um, states have moved towards mail-in voting, we see higher participation simply because they are actually getting a ballot in the mail. They didn't have to remember to go vote. It showed up very conveniently then they can sit with their, you know, Wheaties in their pajamas and, and, and practice to vote. And people knew that they had a ballot and therefore, you know, sort of poked them to go vote. Um, and you see higher participation. So one of the pathways for having higher participation is trying to make sure we have a very robust mail ballots program. And also in New Mexico, we've also said that we're going to now send everyone a notice that there's an election going on, which hopefully will get people thinking about the election. So there's th- there's all these things which we're doing in New Mexico which will hopefully get people out to vote. But I think as we move towards more mail in uh, voting, we will actually see higher turnout.
0: Yeah. And of course in New Mexico, since we have such a interesting mail system in the rural areas, yes, you're gonna have to have good drop boxes and places where people can take their ballots.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to say that, you know, drop boxes are we, we choose them based on population and we you know, they're under twenty four hour surveillance. We check them regularly, they're very secure. So You know, I know there's a lot of misinformation about uh, our drop boxes, but they people love them and, and we people love them in Santa Fe County. And a lot of people use them to vote because it's very convenient. I think six out of our eight are drive up. So you don't have to get out of your car to put your ballot into the drop box.
0: And so far as as far as we know, we haven't had uh, vigilantes with guns to make sure they're safe, as happened in Arizona. We've
1: had some people with you know, who have had cameras, and then once they sort of said, "Well, I recorded these people," and I said, "Well, I recorded them too because I have 24-hour video surveillance of the boxes," then that kind of lost its um, you know novelty, and they stopped going and and camping out at the boxes. So, because.
0: One of the things about elections that is unfortunate, I think, in the United States is not just the results are contentious, the process is contentious. Yes. And we had a presidential candidate who still says, you know, it was stolen, it wasn't fair, blah, blah, blah. Right. And election workers are threatened. I mean, their lives are threatened. Now, I don't think that's happened as much in New Mexico, maybe at the Secretary of State level. But in terms of the county, do you feel safe? Do your workers feel safe?
1: I mean, I think the workers are nervous because there is, you know, we're always in this ethical quandary of do we let people know that there's threats going on or do we want to not scare voters and poll workers by not mentioning it until after the election, right? There's always this, as an election official, you always have this ethical question of like, is this going to accidentally suppress voters? Um, I will say that, you know, people have been very misguided in that they followed poll workers too closely when they're driving back to our office to to drop off their materials, you know, three inches from a bumper going 60 is just not acceptable. So we have rules now about when they check in to be a challenger, we have to train all the challengers now. that we've changed the law where challengers will now be trained by the clerk's offices or the secretary of state about what is proper behavior. You know, we're hoping that that information will help people who, who are an important part of the process, which is to be a challenger, which is to be a neutral observer. Um, in the election process, you know, not feel that they should be doing anything that would endanger anybody. I I do know that there was a bill for um, getting guns out of polling sites, but that didn't end up passing. So, But most of our polling sites are in schools, right? Which means you can't bring a gun anyway. So I do think maybe this is not the final chapter. We will have more rules around what you can and cannot do at polling sites to protect poll workers. But I I really haven't seen too drastic of, you know, behavior that is very concerning. I do think that we should feel safe in Santa Fe County. And, you know, obviously, if you see anything that's of concern, call our office immediately. But... I do think people should feel safe going to the polls, and, and we have hundreds of people who volunteer for us. They're your neighbors, right? They're your next-door neighbors. They're the people who are trying to make sure that your voice is heard, so be nice to them.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, it, it's how democracy works, yes. and if you
1: don't have them, then we
0: really would be waiting in lines. Yes. Yeah. One of the things uh, in other places, they haven't had enough poll workers, but we're good on that. You're going to have enough people to run the election and, and do the job
1: we have very we have very very enthusiastic people who volunteer uh, to be paid obviously because they're paid uh, as you're paid at, when you work in Santa Fe County and all over New Mexico. What we are looking for though are um, technical skills, right? So if you have a lot of computer skills, if you know how to do field work, we're we're always interested in those kinds of skills. Oh,
0: good. I will let everyone know. And and that is about all the time we have today to discuss local elections. I want to encourage everyone who is over 18 and a citizen to register to vote and participate, because if you don't participate, then you can't really complain. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Conversations Different.